0: Casting from the cozy confines of the back door in Highland Park, Saint Paul. This is not so kosher with your host Captain Stooping, and Bexy, the booze director. I'll get ready for some amazing entertainment. I present to you my co-hostess with the moistness. It's Bexy, everybody. Cello, happy Chanukah, Bex. Hi. Oh my God, happy Chanukah. What night are we on? Do we even know? We are on
1: the third night: Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday
0: third night third night yeah and what have you but received when every- this
1: runs it'll be the fourth night oh that's so right. i will be expecting four gifts by tomorrow evening i just i will take
0: diamonds do you get every night something from big daddy mm. yeah <laughs> i didn't mean it like that <laughs> yeah wow you really get a big present i get a big
1: present that's, that's cool. exciting to yeah. me um i am just so excited that i think my hair is sticking up a little bit can you be it my looks, mirror it looks really nice is it all right hold it's on let me
0: just <laughs> palm it it's sticking up my just mom just always wanted it, okay? me to be a beautician
1: just ignore it. i can see the shadow of it well i just love that we're in our new little podular it's so fun isn't it's very it cozy it is. it is it is and i have like i like this little screen thing on my face yes because you won't spit on yeah i won't spit i love table. it i love it um i'm just so glad that um you're here this evening it's bobby good to be here i'm very happy i am whoa <laughs> i am kind of missing the grandster but you know hopefully we're running into him at some point, reunited
0: and it feels so good someday <laughs>
1: So, I want to make sure everybody checks out Not So Kosher, notsokosher.net. Hit the big black button and you can hear all our little podcast pod things. Shit. Yeah, pod shit. Yeah. So, um, make sure you tweet us at Not So Kosher. Are you having a cocktail? Everybody, over there?
0: fun body you, drinking.
1: <laughs> you're it's, not supposed to, are you? With your heart condition. It's a PWI,
0: <laughs> it's podcasting while intoxicated. And,
1: and your peanut butter dinner.
0: <laughs> it's not just for breakfast anymore. It
1: but. isn't. I had cereal for dinner this evening. Milk's very good fix for your tummy. Sandwiches? <laughs> that's my favorite sandwiches. Oh, that's adorable. I love that. It's I love that. So you can check us out on iTunes and Spreaker. Uh, we will be all over that shit. So this week um, we have the amazing Peter Hillman as our guest, um, a pre-recorded uh, interview. Um, I, I had the wonderful opportunity to have a jubilational meeting. Is that the big word for me? Good so word. it took a little while. With with him at his private studio, so it's pretty awesome, in Santa Monica.
0: That's so cool. Yeah.
1: So for um, your drinking enjoyment this evening, I did not have the of magic cocktails that I wanted to make, which were called dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Nice. I know. So, um, but that's, you know, we'll do it another time. I, I, I have... I'm sure other times I can do that. So uh I wanted to talk about my week a little bit. What's here? Um I I had looked up uh uh do you know what a grav hanukkah is? I'm sorry, I do, do not. Do you know what grav means? Oh, my god. I no. don't. It has something to do with pot though. Okay, so It does? Well, something. Yeah, I can't remember, but I saw this this video of this guy that took a it's got eight spots like where you put the candles but instead hilarious. you put little bits of pot in it. Yeah and then he, and then you smoke the the shamus oh my god and, and it, you should see it's really cool it's a he does it on a glass one mm-hmm. and it all lights up he lights each one at a time and then there's like all this smoke that comes out it's really awesome kind of cool yeah if I smoked pot it'd be really cool wow um, so this week this past week I was at a fat farm I bet you didn't know that
0: tell us about could that could you
1: tell no, you, you look- were thinking that I kind of looked a little heavier it's because I was at a fat farm because I went to go get fat
0: you this week you look fantastic
1: no I I, I I literally ate um nonstop this past week.
0: Well, you were out of town.
1: Yeah. But I laid on my ass and really didn't eat and spent hours on the computer doing nothing. How it was how
0: the weather, first of all?
1: Well, of course, fabulous. Mm-hmm. Like I spent every and so my friend Debbie. Mm-hmm. Hi Debbie. I miss you already. Little you plug. know how much. Yeah. She has a beautiful home overlooking the ocean. Kind of. I can see a speck of it from her house. Mm-hmm. But um and and she has a pool in her backyard and a hot tub whatever but we can lay out there naked so it's pretty awesome. sweet because oh good for yeah, you my titties get brown and I'm sorry she just they're not pasty anymore titties. it's nice i like it anyway so i sit outside have coffee you know sit i only enjoy morning sun and then we spend hours walking on the beach and then we spend you know qu- you know like i think eight hours a day eating. We, Favorite place we, in
0: the world is where you were. Yeah, I know you love it so there. I'm sorry. A, I wish
1: you had been there with us. Next time in Israel. You will. Next time in Israel. <laughs> next year, is next, next year in, year in, in Israel. <laughs> next year. I love that. Anyway, so um yeah, so I got fat there, so whatever. That's all right. Um so I had this interview with Peter Himmelman, and if anything could go wrong, it went wrong. Um I had some very many mishaps that happened. I drove a, um, I rented a vehicle, um, which Big Daddy doesn't know about, but I'm sure you'll hear about soon. You know, I can't be in California without a convertible, right? So, okay, what did they have for me? A yellow, I know no one drives a yellow car there. Nobody. It was badass. So it was a yellow Camaro convertible. Oh, cool. cool. Okay. I was, was, I'll tell you, it was wonderful. I got to, I had a, this 2 hour drive to do this interview and um and I love driving and so it was roads. so Well, we're oh, going, we don't need. Roads. We don't need. It. I didn't. Yeah, it's true. I really didn't, but I kind of did. So, I got I went very fast, so it was very fun. I don't care about tickets. Big Daddy always believes that he'll just pay them, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Uh, or he's going to get some attorney friend of ours. To fight it's good say, to know people. I wasn't my foot was stuck. It was the gorilla glue on my foot. Anyways, I had glued my shoe that morning. That's why. So, um, anyways, I go and I parked like a little ways down. Cause I was embarrassed of what I was driving. Um, so anyways, I go there and I, I go in and whatever, some mishaps happen. And then I sit down with them and I lift up my coat and, all my change comes out of my pocket like that's never happened my entire life right that's hilarious and i pick up my coat i'm so like precise about everything and here i was my coat was like upside down i was freaking out that i was so discombobulated but i wasn't nervous i was just um you know obviously not in my space and oh, right. so it was weird cuz he has this beautiful studio mm-hmm. um it was it was great so and he was extremely humble and i had a great time in there and then at the end, he was singing a song to me on this beautiful grand piano, and my phone's ringing, and I have it on silent, okay, so that's cool. But my arm, you know, my little eye watch is like yep, shaking yep. my arm, and I was trying to, you know, just ignore it and enjoy the, this, and all of a sudden it answered, and I didn't know it had answered, mm-hmm. and I was like, what is that? It was a cold call. It was a freaking computer that was talking, and I forgot what you do with these because I've never had that happen before. So I totally forgot about it. You put your hand over it all, and then it stops Talk, It stops if you put your hand over it. Well, I didn't do that. I was like, I say to him, because I didn't even know what to say because then there was dead silence, and you can hear this guy talking on my iWatch. Awkward.com. Yes, exactly. So I quickly was like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And I pressed the, you know, cancel button. But it was just. One crazy fucking thing, and then I have those business cards that um, said .com that I screwed up on instead of .net, and I had crossed a lot of them out until we got the new cards. And so... Um, I had my old cards with me and Mm. that's what I handed him. I was like mortified that I had these stupid ass fucking cards. It was very embarrassing. But if you do listen to this, Peter, I am a very anal person and need everything in order. And this was a, like in my own personal world, it was a little bit of a disaster, but I loved being with
0: him. What, what's it like to be in his presence? I'm just curious.
1: Well, you know, I was concerned that I'd be nervous just because I do get nervous in some of the interviews mm-hmm. or whatever. But, you know, he's somebody that I always idolized growing up, and sure. just I I would watch him, and I had a terrible crush on Alan, so I really wasn't like all goo-goo over over peter right. at all but i love listening to peter and uh-huh. he's so funny he would always just make me laugh so much and super talented. loved it and so i could sit and look at alan's package as i was listening to peter that's talk. Hilarious. it was wonderful had a great
0: time that's funny
1: <laughs> anyway so um and so i should stop talking because i think i should give you a little bit of time <laughs> no i'm I, <laughs> tell me what tell me about how you've been doing how how how's your therapy th- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Should I tell Boys everybody? Boys have a penis. Girls have a vagina. Yeah.
1: Well, I have both. That's so. debatable. <laughs> Do you know me? Give Any?
0: Most of my relationships, say, hey, Bobby, I clearly wear the penis in this relationship, <laughs> which is fine. I have no problem with that as long as I can go jocko still all over that <laughs> shit. I have no problem. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'll be here all night. Oh, my um, God. So it, it, was, it was a, you know, Hanukkah is here. Yeah. I love Hanukkah. It's one of those things where we, get, we, we sort of go, that's our Christmas, motherfuckers. That's yeah. our Christmas, right? So my fondest memory is my mom getting me Hanukkah presents every July and says, this is for Hanukkah, honey. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, great, because I need some new underwear, because that's basically what we were getting. Underwear and socks, and if we were lucky, maybe a new book. <laughs> it's true. You're so. It's true. so funny. It's like clockwork. July. I'm getting my Hanukkah. Well, present.
1: so did you get anything at Hanukkah time, or was close, your mom okay, confused? So close
0: your eyes. Okay. What do you see?
1: Oh, Nothing. Yeah.
0: Okay. All you right. know, it, it, I love that. So you know what? Just I had a great time. I was with um someone that i'm seeing great girl and i was with her family and it was like really nice to be with um family and kids and we did the whole like lighting the menorah we ate some good food played some games got in a fight it's all what it works it works was it
1: over a dreidel game that you got in a fight always yeah i never sorry do you even know i I did actually
0: do really yeah i know how to play i love jimmy Gimmel. he's got a great show he does doesn't he i know right (laughs) right. um so hanukkah was great so that's basically what we
1: do you like candles every night we do i do Mm -hmm. good boy
0: there was one time i'm doing the thing over the menorah the Shaman's candle, and I just recall, like, why am I'm burning? Something's happening. Oh. I was right over, and I was like, completely having no. a Michael Jackson moment. <laughs> no. Like people were singing whatever song that was. Did the people Pepsi think commercial. you shaved your beard My in the little, middle there exactly. on your chin? Exactly. Okay, that's good. So it's all good. Good to see you. You too. And I'm excited. It's to hear been that. far too long. It's been Fargo. Far too long. long. Fargo. Super too long. excited to hear the Hamblin uh, interview when that comes up.
1: Um. Uh, do you have anything that you wanted to kvetch to me about I, this week? I, I
0: just, you know, there's some things that I'm always constantly thinking about as we've been doing that. So, kosher, we always have these like Jews in the news, Jews are Dare. We're always sort of reinventing, and I came and up with something. You're bored of kvetch. Not, not that oh bo- no, it's okay. No, I love I love the kvetch because that's like when you shine is when you get to like go on your soapbox. Oh, bitch, I love that. I look forward to it every okay. week. Um, so, I just but, came up with this thing called judos budos and kudos
1: oh you just needed a new little segment a little thing a little entertainment and i think you.
0: people will kind of appreciate it because there's something that fits in every category for instance we're going to go with kudos to saint paul and you're going to totally appreciate this for the city council to say hell no on parking meters on grand avenue oh right, right? yeah seriously can you even imagine yes so that yes. was a big deal you're and right got, it got shot down People were up in arms, but don't worry, St. Pauli, it's not going to happen. Thank God. Then I came up with a sort of Budo's. I don't know if people are paying attention, and I know you're going to absolutely love to talk about Donald Trump because you have a sort of Trump crush on him. Ben Carson, (laughs) everybody. Total enigma. This guy just says- Is he related to Johnny? He's not even close. No. This is a brilliant neurosurgeon who's running for the president.
1: Oh. I guess I could probably do that I'm a nail technician right there you go <laughs> um,
0: he, he''s, he's he, presidential campaign he's like been stymied about questions most recently on foreign policy no clue you guys absolutely no clue he dresses one of the most influential Republican Jewish organizations on Thursday probably is he one, Jewish He is not Jewish but here's this is the best part he was describing Israel and the people of Humus. What? I swear to God. Come on. He said hummus instead of Hamas. I... Instead of Hamas. <laughs> oh, no. And people are going, I wonder if there's some good pita to go with that hummus. Oh, no. Um, he's ridiculous. And I don't know how far he's going to go. But he's doing, in the polls, he's doing pretty good. But can't wait to hear your take on Mr. Trump. But before wow. we do, I just want to say one quick thing. This is a, another kudos to Kobe Bryant, who's in town. They're playing the Timberwolves tonight. And this is um, like honorable mention for our old Frank Grant, who we used to talk about sports all the time. Kobe Bryant's retiring. I don't know if you knew oh, that. Oh, I Bex.
1: saw that. I saw that, but I was confused because mm-hmm. I didn't know that beef retired. I was. I did not understand that. I, I, <laughs> he, can you help me? Because sure. and so th- it was like a basketball thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, I didn't understand. Um, like. I totally lost my train of thought, but <laughs> Kobe, thirty-seven years old. Still playing, almost to the top of his game. Unfortunately, um, he's he's at the Target Center. They're playing. Uh, Kevin Love came into the league he's twenty years ago. Oh, it's so it's so it's it's sort of appropriate that they're playing Kobe Bryant tonight. So Timberwolves last hurrah for Kobe ever coming to Target Center. Kind of cool. Let's talk about Donald Trump.
1: Oh well, I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously everybody's seen that shit about. Um... That he, he doesn't want. It's okay. You can I think it's cool to hear the little ice cubes. I like Are that actually. Jealous? I am. I I'm a little afraid to get a little schnockered right now, you know? It makes me nervous. I, our, I'll do it a little one bit One of our after. best shows
0: was with the uh Bar mitzvah Magic.
1: I'll have some next week, I okay, promise. Good, good, okay. Good. I promise. Maybe I'll do some dreidel, dreidel, dreidel cool. next time. But uh, this whole thing with Trump and the want to send, you know, shut down the the United States to, you know, Muslims, blah, blah, right. blah, 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 blah. Okay, so I personally have to say that I agree with him. Okay, but I have this other side of me that goes, well, if us Jews hadn't gotten in, and all the other people, and him, I mean, we all were let in. We all invaded this country, you know. Mm-hmm. So. I don't. In that respect, I have a problem with it. But uh, I don't know what the fuck we're gonna do. Like I like have freaking nightmares about
0: it. You know? Are you are you saying you would actually vote for? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. I because I he's so nuts. (laughs) Hundred thousand
2: sperm, and uh, you were the fastest.
1: Oh.
0: You are the wind beneath my wings. Yeah. <laughs> so he's crazy. Under Chessey, he's cray. He's super cray. He says the most inappropriate things, I and love yet that. it boosts his poll yes. numbers.
1: Yes. So because I think a lot of Americans mm-hmm. feel the way he feels. I don't know if you saw some of the ones that he that in, they interviewed, but he's like, he's right. Right. The, do you see the Jews doing anything? Do you see the the Japanese doing anything? You know, he's all like this guy that they were interviewing, but. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do about that, but I know it It freaks me out. I he'll, mean, because he'll... this whole San Bernardino thing oh. when I was in California was when that was going on. And that's
0: not too far from you. No. Where you were. Right.
1: And and did you see that the person, with, like the, one of their go-tos was here, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just the heart of it all, is the way I look at it. Yeah. Because we've got them all here,
0: you know? Totally not cool. No. We're in trouble. Something to be proud of, not. It's true.
1: So um, I, I'm going to just fetch a little bit because i think we probably have to get our interview going here so we don't have a 14-hour show um so <clears throat> there is uh this new thing they have um where i saw it on tv today that they're they have you know how they say plus sizes for clothing for women yes they have a new one they're gonna say curves they're gonna say it it's for the it's for the curves for the curvy women. Okay. For the curvy women? Yeah. I like that. Cause you know you what? I'm a curvy woman. I'm pleasantly plump. And I I'm kind of okay with that sometimes. Except I like for when it. I okay, I'm not gonna talk about that. Do. But no, I can't. <laughs> I can't talk about I that. dare you. No, I'll tell you, I don't like looking. I have you seen that where they say no no th- have you seen the little sign little thing that um it's it's a girl standing and it's her legs, her thighs and it, and there's a cross, uh, there's like a slash across it, like, know this or right, whatever. Right, And you can't have your thighs touching. Yeah, that's what the new young girls are doing. They were doing this last summer, the summer before, where they would starve. It's kind of a, another form of anorexia. So they're Ooh. not worried about getting skinny. They're worried about the fact they don't want their thighs touching. Oh, my God. Okay? <laughs>
0: kind of, yeah.
1: Someone wants to <laughs> feed off that one. But, um, yeah, because now my thighs are touching.
0: Now your thighs are touching. Yeah, I
1: don't like it. I was working really hard to, you know, go through that anorexic thing. And really, is it called The Gap? Oh, because pres- I've I, actually didn't know that was what it was called. So, yeah, I don't like when there's any – I don't mind the meat touching, but I like a Did little space underneath. Meat? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say the Like the meat? Well, I don't mean the meat as like my vagina meat, but I mean like, you know, I like – ooh, sorry, I didn't mean to hit that. But like I, I-, I think it's pretty when um, <laughs> girls – well, I'm not, you know, I just, I'm being honest. You know, I'm very unfiltered, right?
0: I love that. Yeah. That's...
1: So um, unfiltered? Yeah, unfiltered. Okay, so let's let's move on. I'm going to um, tell you a little bit about um, Peter Himmelman. I was so lucky to hang with him and listen to him. And really, this guy is... Like Mr. Philosopher, like my new sage, I love him. He's wonderful. He's a very intelligent man. He is an Emmy and Grammy Award-nominated singer and songwriter, 1993 Minnesota Songwriter of the Year, film and television composer, a career with more accomplishments than I can enumerate. Do you like that word? That's a
0: huge word for you. Right?
1: I know. I'm proud proud of myself. But I couldn't think of what was a good word for this guy. Like, There's just too many things he's got too many things it's amazing he is the founder of big muse a company that helps individuals and organizations unlock their creative potential it's pretty cool he talked about that a little bit um but i know that so many of us just remember him as that wonderful front man of yeah, totally. and you know that's where heart is us people in the in our 40s and 50s and 60s that was what it was at you know and the crazy thing was he said that um Sussman Lawrence was only really like four years It was not, totally but in loop. my yeah. yeah but in our minds it was so long you know because it was part of our growing up times you know? yeah absolutely so I want you to give a listen did you have yeah uh, I just
0: wanted to say before you get into the interview let's give people um, listening to Not So Kosher just a little bit of uh, one of my favorite songs by Peter Hillelman, uh Impermanent Things right now on Not So Kosher
2: Permanent things Oh, how they fool me Dominate and rule me They keep me waiting here for real Oh, these impermanent things Where well, the beauty's never raging But the worthlessness enraging You know we always stand alone when we're together Hanging on to things that never stay, things that just keep stringing us along from day to day. All these impermanent things, present yet elusive. Passive yet abusive And tearing out the heart in other silence All these impermanent things where they point in all directions Like secondhand reflections And they're leading us to subtle shades of violence And why keep hanging on never stay Things that just keep stringing us along from day to day To convince me, baptize my soul and rinse me, purge my mind of honesty and fight. All these impermanent things, well they all add up to zero. Make believe that they're my heroes, then they fill my mind with doubt and false desire. never stay Things that just keep stringing us along from day to day
1: God, I love that song. That is That was always like one of my favorite songs. I, it's fabulous. It's a great segue into listening to my wonderful interview that I had with Peter Himmelman. Um, he's a great man. He's an intelligent man. He made me smile. He made my heart sing. Listen to this great interview. Most know you as Peter Himmelman, the Emmy and Grammy Award-nominated singer-songwriter Minnesota songwriter of the year, film and television composer, and founder of Big Muse, a company that helps individuals and organizations unlock their creative potential. But many of us remember you as that crazy comical frontman from Sesame Lawrence. Your brilliant shines in so many ways. Is that good? Was that a good pun? Oh, I love that. Yeah, you're brilliant. Shines in everywhere. way. I'm
3: just sitting everywhere, here kind of everywhere, looking at the run in your Are you? And, and drinking in all those. i trying not
1: to, you know, I'll go buy some new ones later. My first question to Peter Himmelman. First of all, we're in California, which is pretty fun, right? I mean, probably not for you anymore. No, it's very but fun But when I for come me. from winter, it's very calming and wonderful. Um, your humor was always so amazing to me. I would sit at the bottom of the stage and between you and Jeff and um, Al who I had a terrible crush on but um, I'd sit and you guys would just make me laugh and I'd have the best time just staring how did how where does that come from where are you uh, are, is this from one of your parents are you just have you always been like this do you have siblings and do they do that too yeah
3: well it's a, it's a good question in the discussion about humor what makes up humor is very important I, I think it's so relevant. It should should actually be taught in schools. Um, humor is, uh, and I'll get into my family in a second, it's kind of the lubricant between people. Um, it, it draws us to people. It tells us that we're safe. It, uh, what humor is, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of thinking about it. It's the juxtaposition of opposites that approach each other in a surprising sort of rhythm. So the classic one is the the pompous guy who's walking down the street, you know, he's invincible, and he gets felled by the lowly banana peel, and he falls on his ass. And what happened was it the suddenness of his pomposity colliding with the unexpected banana peel on the street, it just it it creates humor. So humor The people that are humorous, and there are people who appreciate humor, and they're both in the same camp, they're both together. They are aware of a certain substrata of what's going on in life itself. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, I'm drawn, as we all are, to people that are funny. Eddie Murphy once did an interview in which he said, if you think I'm funny, and he wasn't being the least bit funny, he was being completely serious, if you think I'm funny, you have no idea how funny my family was. That this juxtaposition of opposites was the currency and the rhythm of the language that we spoke in our home. And uh, that's what we did in my house everybody was funny in their way whether purveyors of humor or consumers of humor um in my house that i have now with my four kids and my wife extraordinarily funny and it's a way of you know this it's not humor isn't really funny it's a beautiful and rich and deep thing it's the way that people navigate the world and uh it's very rare that you'll find an excellent musician. For example, I've actually never met one that wasn't also hysterical. I've never met a brilliant musician that wasn't super funny.
1: Interesting. Do they? Do you, Do your kids? Well, I don't know if your kids are still home or whatever, but did they? Were they constantly cracking up? Was were you? Because to me, that's kind of how you are. I have a husband that. I can't, I can't stop laughing. Like and no, they and weren't
3: they weren't uh, No, it
1: wasn't. Did they just get kind of used to you? Like Yeah, I mean it just was it was of- the
3: normal way that that we spoke to one another. Um there was the irony was a token of intimacy and affection. And it's it was never, you know, never mean-spirited. Yeah, irony. no. Just kind of you know, observational. Everyone gathered home for Thanksgiving. I, we have an empty nest here, so I have three kids sorry. in New York and one oh. in Michigan. I'm so sorry. And uh, no, no, that's not it's sorry. It's so far. It's beautiful. Okay. There's Good. a beautiful Glad adage to to in somewhere, some Jewish aphorism, which is so wonderful. Who pulls the arrow closest to his heart sees the arrow fly the farthest. Which simply means in terms of child really? rearing, whoever gives the greatest nurturance to a child, that child will be equipped to go very far in the world. And it doesn't mean that there's a distance, a love disconnection by any means. Those people that go far uh, oftentimes have the greatest bond that allows them to be fearless enough to do those things, which put them at a, at a you know distant proximity
1: and you're right i'm glad that you said distance because i always felt like i was so great because as a mother because my kids are close by hmm. <laughs> but they well, do no i can absolutely yeah, it's not necessarily geography
3: and, that puts somebody at you're right that you're puts right. somebody in the world i mean you can do things close to home so
1: instead you turn it around and you say i'm proud not thinking where they are but how far they have come and how what yeah I mean
3: I'm proud of them and uh, the technology is so good too I mean I go back and forth to New York from LA like somebody would use a city bus sometimes and I think about it I think about what it would be like you know say 120 years ago or you know if you had to take a Conestoga wagon or take a boat you know before the Panama Canal was built you probably would never see these people again. Yes. Um, so
1: that's true. You know, it'd be years. Yeah, they, they'd I go mean, years without seeing each I'm other. I'm going
3: to New York. Whatever, yeah, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but this would be like, you know, good tidings to you, my lad, and I love you, and may <laughs> my gifts be with you. I shan't see you again. I mean, it would be terrible.
1: <laughs> um, tell me how long Sussman Lawrence was around as a band
3: not very long I, I, mean, I
1: didn't think so but I wasn't because sure you know mind. like
3: it, certain things they occupy a big space in your mind um, it was probably around from Me 1979
1: sure. to you know 1983 oh funny that uh, I 84 maybe
3: wow it's not long four or five years
1: um, how how has your writing and your how's your composing and the the way your music has changed at least to me has changed how how has that has that been a strange thing for you for that to happen or is it just kind of part of
3: what 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 the flow? strange thing are you talking I don't about
1: no like strange does it seem strange to for you personally that you were writing very different okay cuz i'll talk about like um, like girl i want to be your cigarette you know, like that is so different to me than how your writing is no, now. I you don't, know. I don't mean, know if, if you, you really want wanted
3: that. to get down to it, yeah. I, I, I like to take things and break them apart and really explore what, what's at the root of Baby, Let Me Be Your Cigarette.
1: It took me a while. It's kind I of funny. You. <laughs> you know, obviously
3: it's a glib song. It's tawdry and, and somewhat licentious. It's a purient song, but at the heart of it, and it's just really distillation of, of a lot of the energy the energy of youth and certainly it has not been expended in me at my older age it's simply the the need the visceral urge to reproduce that is at the that is a such a driving force to be attractive to a mate and of course no no young person is ever cognizant of why he's attracted to this or that. And when you are super attracted, the last thing you are is sort of understanding the entire source of this energy, is, so, you know, biological, physiological need <laughs> to reproduce. But that was at the bottom of it. Um, i di- I never played hockey, so it was very important for me to to hone other skills. I mean, uh, I'm not the most handsome person in the world, so I also needed to hone skills so that I would be assured of having a wonderful mate. That's just that the and no one ever thinks about that, nor did I. But that's how those songs came about. Those songs are about notice me. I will am, I will amuse wow. you, and I will tell you an amusing story about probably what you're feeling at at. know 19 or 22 years old yeah and uh i think though the same thing is existent in all my music in everything that i do there is a quality of notice me that's always there and it's a need and it's an urge but hopefully there's been an evolution that in the notice me um I actually might have something now to share that's, that's of greater import or it, it's a gift back to somebody. And that, that would be a goal of mine. So, so a lot of this you know, look at me, which propelled everything that I did, Obviously, it's still there. These are your skill sets and so on, like the peacock feathers that you use to you know, track yourself you know, to the world, endear yourself. I'm trying to dig into something deeper now. I'm trying to give something back so that the driving force of most of my work today is to allow other people to find the fruit of their own creativity so that they're becoming stronger and more fearless through through what I have to offer yeah. and I've seen it now uh, meted out so many times I just got back from Orlando and we're doing a thing uh, a big muse thing which is really getting into that discussion Yeah, um, doing a thing for Adobe um, it's not simply a business course and also because in the last year, I never went to college either. Sussman Lawrence took that away from Interesting. me. Um, but in in the past year, I had done a Big Muse seminar, which I'll explain a little bit how, what goes on in those for, for uh, the Kellogg School of Business at Northwestern University. Well, I was so successful that one of the deans called me. Uh, I was about a year or so ago and said you know Peter we have this he writes me dude I don't know if this <laughs> would be of any interest but we have this advanced management program it's 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 cost as much as a semester at any private college and we want to give you a full scholarship to attend what do you think and I'm like I asked my wife she's like absolutely I asked my kids I mean there's really? my kids have all gone to you know some Ivy League schools, and each one is more educated and more erudite than the next, as is my wife. Everything that I have, by the way, the way that I speak, the way that I comport myself, um, is really due to my wife's influence. Otherwise, I would just be a wild, feral man sleeping on urine soaked straw and howling at the moon. <laughs> so my mom said, Absolutely, you should. This is amazing because yeah. she could fell that finally I was going and and I did so well at the school that I'm coming back as an adjunct professor you know several times a year and and what this did for me was is business but what I learned in the ivory tower of business you know some of the you know highest level professors in the business world are are at Kellogg, it's a crucible of all sorts of interesting people from all over the world. They're really talking about human relationships, not mathematics, not physics. I mean, there's some statistical analysis that goes on. It's not my thing. But, but at the root of it, it's just interpersonal relationships. It's about being where you say you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, simple leadership things that having been in a band, for example, taught me so much about. One thing that's interesting about my time in Sussman-Lawrence there were the five of us we practiced sometimes 10 hours a day for six days a week we had gigs we booked them all ourselves we were not following some adult mandated curriculum these we were kids But even though we were singing, Baby, Let Me Be Your Cigarette, we were very much adults. We very much had this burgeoning idea of what leadership meant, of what integrity meant. Um, We didn't call it that at the time when we're walking around in our underwear, God knows what we were doing. But still, I see coming from, quote, the street or these sort of certainly non-academic environments, I had so much to offer the class and the class had so much to share with me. So it was a, it was a very huge milestone uh, in my life. Most of it was saying this big muse idea that you have basically dredged out of your turres from nowhere because you got fired from one of your big TV shows and you oh. needed a job <laughs> um, is actually yes. extremely meaningful. Two weeks ago, I was at Wharton and the University of Pennsylvania working with grad students and PhD students. This is like mind-blowing to me in a certain way. It's so fulfilling and so gratifying. And it's all about taking ideas and giving them back to people so that they can say, wow, I'm super creative too. If I had to boil it all down, I would say... People say, yeah, you play the guitar, and you're so creative. It's like, no, I'm not. Usually I'm just repeating the same crap I've already done. I'm not in a creative feckin mode. I happen to be in one this actually this week. But no, repeating the same things and thinking about outcomes as opposed to being immersed in a creative experience, um, that's a whole other thing. So I say to an actuary or an IT guy or to an insurance person, who you know by dint of the job description assumes they're not creative, that it's total bullshit. Creativity is being to re- is being able to react to stimuli that are ha- It's happening in the oh, moment, yeah. being present. You could call it improvisational, but even jazz musicians, whose life is quote improvisation are very rarely truly improvising they're simply using pre amalgamated musical phrases pre-studied and and you know putting them out into the world through the piano or saxophone in, in time which is a brilliant technique but it's not necessarily creative. Creativity is a conversation with your mother that's meaningful. It's getting on the floor with a baby and playing playing with a child. It's reading a letter uh, from somebody in need and crying about it. That's creativity. That's being human. That's being alive. That's being fearless. And, you know, I'm going on long-windedly. No,
1: that's good. Uh, you chop me
3: up if you need I, to. No, but my kind of axiom, and I, I wrote this book, which will be out in October of that's 2016. Nice it's called Let Me Out. We're... we're messing with the with the tagline subject line let me out unlock your mind and bring your ideas to life and one of the axioms of the book is simply if you are able to momentarily eliminate your fear which is this character i've created in our heads that sort of the internal critic that's afraid that we might get ourselves into trouble. I call him Marv. He looks like sort of like me, sort of fearful and huh? I, I drew a picture of him. Marv is an acronym for majorly afraid of revealing vulnerability. And just a little bit on how it works. If we try a new thing, a difficult conversation, even a difficult letter, or we're gonna go out on stage, or we're gonna just do something that's it's it's a reinvention. It's not rote, it's a deeper level. We're going to address somebody on an honest level. The reason that we fear doing that is because there is a probability of failure. There's no question about it. You can't do anything new without there being. So we fear not so much the failure, but the attendant shame. That's a response to the failure. And then from the shame, we understand what happens to shameful people. Shameful people are shunned and they're abandoned. We recall on some sort of limbic brain level when we were pre-verbal, and there's research to support this, that we we needed to stay connected to our parents, assuming they were our primary caregivers, not true in every case, yeah. Because we understood in some primitive way that were we not connected, we would literally die. And that was an acute and accurate appraisal of the situation. So as adults, even if we're beautiful, even if we're rich, even if we're strong and successful, that voice, that fear of death, of mortality through abandonment still exists in us, and Marv is telling us, Peter, don't go uh, and have this conversation with the dean of Kellogg, for example, which I did have. He, there, this woman, she's not going to like you. She's going to think you're stupid. So um, if you fail, you'll be shamed, and you'll be there's always this, however dim, this bell of doom that rings this bell of fear of our own mortality. So when you don't want to do something, you're afraid. It's not a funny thing. It's not a silly thing. It's very deep. What I sort of propose in the book to get over the fear is simply take the tiniest action toward whatever it is that you're afraid of. If you want to fly a plane, but you're afraid to learn and you just can't do it, one simple step, which could exemplify this, is to sit your ass down in a chair. That's all. Now, what do you oh. do from there? You Google Break it apart, flight times it. at Santa Monica Airport and see how much it costs to take the test flight. Literally sitting your ass in a chair, or whatever that means, that tiny component of taking initiative on any action is so key and it's infinitely distant from mulling an idea over and over and over again, which is what we all do when we're afraid. But once we take action, this Marv character, majorly afraid of revealing vulnerability, sits back and goes, Becca is doing her thing, cool. I'm. Yeah, I don't, Marv doesn't want us to fail. He's yeah. trying to protect us. If there was a giant ocelot coming to kill us you know Marv would be the one to save our asses he would take the lever that controls the adrenaline would be out but 99.99 ad infinitum percent of our lives we don't need that kind of protection thank God and he's overworking he sees you taking the first steps towards some fearful task and says oh cool Becca's doing her thing oh I'm good she's good I'm good I feel be, like
1: I'm sitting with a sh- my shrink or something. Yeah, that's If it. I
3: had a shrink. If you had a shrink. That's I had, what you... I had a shrink for many, many years, and I learned so much from him. It was it was more about education at some point than it was their therapy.
1: What, what you, don't they say that you just do most of the talking? Well, I mean... And then he talked figure too. Figure it out? Oh, did But he? Okay. it was a
3: very expensive, you know, <laughs> curriculum. Cause, you Sounding know, board or whatever. Yeah, at some point I'm like, you know, we got to stop this. But I think a lot of the things that underpin my big muse stuff come from this guy. He's an L.A. guy, oh, he's an older guy,
1: nice.
3: very brilliant. His name is Joel Adelman. You know, oh, I'll credit him in the book as well.
1: When's that book coming out? You said uh, what, October you know 2016. Oh, okay, October. Cool. All right, so um, art. I, I Until I started to learn about you this week more than what I thought I knew of as a kid, you um, are an artist. And I actually like most of your art. Which is hard to come by for Oh, me. yes, it's hard for so everybody. So it's pretty yeah. awesome. But um, wh- where did that come from? Was what? it you didn't like somebody was doing an album cover? So you oh, no, no, no. It, it, it
3: proceeded way before. It was way before uh, my music. It was way before oh, music. Oh, was it as really? Kid. Like
1: as a kid. Oh, I brought you stuff to color with.
3: Oh, I still Boy. do it. I still do. <laughs> uh, you know, I do art periodically. And I'll go through places where I'm just like, I'll stay up nights and I'll just go crazy and go for like a month or so, and then I'll put it put it away. But I used to do this whole thing called Glurchville, where I would make I was probably like five, and I would make this whole universe in my head of these characters called Glurches. They were sort of dinosaur dragonish, and they would have a whole town with a jail and a you know a store and and I remembered I was part of it was drawing. But part of it was like creating my own little movie. So I was so inside that universe. I was like, if they were swimming, I was swimming with them. And whatever I wanted to happen, I would just sort of draw. So it wasn't so much about drawing. It was more about storytelling through the, I think, through through the means of, you know, method of drawing.
1: Cool. so we are at our time, but I don't like that, and I know that you probably have a ton more to tell me, but we're going to have to prolong that for another time. We have to. But I want to. There's one thing that was I was really interested in. Um, Rabbi Feller was someone that was a big part of your um, spiritual life at at the beginning. I don't know if you still talk to him. Yeah, I do. But I mean, he was uh, a big
3: part as a sort of more of a conduit.
1: Where'd you meet him? Like, where um, how did you come
3: across him? Just, I think one of my cousins like brought me to oh, see cool. him. cool. It was a funny thing. He he said, uh, hey, I want you to meet this guy, Rabbi Feller. And I was, I don't know, maybe, maybe I was like 15 or something. Ah. I had no contact with observant Judaism. Uh, and just, you know, so the listeners know, I, you know, totally Shabbat observance and all the Chagim. I, I were a tallis. I... Put on to fill in every day, and you know I daven three times a day. You know the whole thing. At the time, I wanted to see Rabbi Feller because I, I, I just was interested in it. I was not biased against it because I never knew anybody that was totally observant. I just yeah. oh, wasn't didn't. didn't think I did. If I did, I didn't know it. I knew very almost no one that kept kosher. It Just was like. To me, it was like a pristine thing and a shalom aleichem story. Mm. So I met Rabbi Feller, and I, I said to him at the outset of the thing, I said, I'm not you know being rude, but you know I just need to tell you I don't believe in God. So like whatever you're gonna say, like it's kind of for naught. And he was the coolest thing he said was, or more what he did was like it, it meant nothing. He goes, you can still put on tefillin. It, it meant that I say I don't believe in God, which is like the old Hasidic story. It, somebody comes and he's smoking and eating a ham sandwich on Yom Kippur and, and a, a famous Rebbe comes by and you know he says, you know, Rebbe, I'm doing this stuff, I don't believe in God. And the Rebbe looks at him in complete understanding and he goes, look, the same God you don't believe in, I also don't believe in. Mm-hmm. The anthropomorphic uh, construction of God that you've made for yourself is rejectable, and I reject it as well. And I have, had come to see that my sort of paradigm of divinity or God, uh, even to hold one is wrong, because if it's unknowable, anything you hold is already gonna be wrong. Mine was so tightly compressed, I could throw it in the waste basket.
1: Do you believe in God now?
3: Absolutely. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think about God on every minute. Whatever that means, I don't think of a guy in a cloud.
1: Yeah, I,
3: it's very difficult to to hold any conception of God. And in some ways, very dangerous. Um, I do feel that there's some force. Again, not non-spatial necessarily; it could be spatial too. Why? Why yeah, put? For an, all we know. Yeah. Why put the form of <laughs> non-spatial on it? Uh-huh. We understand yeah. from you know from Jewish thought that God, in His or her non-anthropomorphic, no sexuality to God. So if somebody says he or she, it's meaningless. Yeah. Uh, chooses this God. The will of God is not to take physical form. Yes. That's what yes. we. That is what our tradition teaches. But uh, I would say, as a motivating factor, God is number one. Maybe my dad is number two. I mean, I mean a huge motivator, sort of. Especially the memory of my dad. Yeah. Like, oh, I can't do this. It would, I feel that my dad is hovering, has That's, the ability yeah. to hover. Yeah. So, yeah, I know we're wrapping up. But in answer to that, since it's a semi-Jewish program, I wanted to throw those so things great.
1: in. I, I appreciate it. That's why we wanted to get to that a little bit. Thank you so much. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. Have a
0: beautiful, super sparkly day, too.
1: Oh, my God. God, I hope you liked the little interview I did with Peter.
0: That was amazing.
1: Was it? Okay. I, if you say that, then I believe you. Well, I, I'm a huge fan. But he's so beautiful to listen to. He's eloquent. Isn't he? Articulate. Yes. He's
0: funny. He's charismatic.
1: And he uses so many big words that I couldn't... I, it took me a while to... I had to sit and like put, put him through my head quickly. You did a great <laughs> you job. You know? Okay. Oh, Thanks, Friday. honey, because I couldn't have you there with me. But... I think it's time to play a little kosher or not so kosher because I wanted to play with Peter, but he had a very um, tight schedule. So I couldn't play with him. So I'm going to play with you. So um, I want to know if leg warmers are kosher or not so kosher.
0: For sure they're kosher. Are they? I think so. And when you live in the polar vortex called Minnesota – You need that shit, right? You do. Absolutely. That's that's, that's like silly not to have that.
1: It's true. I, I tend to agree with you, but I tend to think now I don't feel like they're so... Kosher. Lately, I don't see a lot of
0: yitters wearing them, you know, so it's I'm not sure. That was a flash dance kind of era. It the, was. Right? It was all no, I lived the, for. The multicolor, le- yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now it's just yoga pants. I, yeah,
1: yeah, now it's just yoga now pants. Just you yoga. love those things. Okay, don't get <laughs> With me With a little tight underwear underneath <laughs> oh, it. Oh, God, help us. Um, bringing plants in for the wintertime
0: so kosher is it it's such a yid thing isn't it oh my god I we're know. going to florida can you come over three times a week <laughs> i'm gonna need you to get the mail and water the plants because <laughs> we kosher. have to
1: save them hey i'll tell you in the springtime when you look out on my deck it's filled with flowers yeah. the stuff that i it's took nice. care that i babysat all all winter long it's wonderful um okay a light up menorah or electric menorah
0: Wait a minute. Oh. Like like one of those plugins? Yeah, like yeah. No, I, I think that's sort of gentile. If interesting. you're not, if you're not lighting it, you're not in it.
1: Well, um, actually, by law, by Jewish law, but not law, by customs more, so it's not really legit. You got to really? actually light, yeah. But I got to say, um, it is a very, would you know where they kind of pretty much came from was like the Floridians use them. The Floridians? They love them. Sure. Maybe because it's so hot down there, they don't want to light any more fire. Totally <laughs> makes sense. They're helping the global warming, right? Totally makes sense. I don't sense. know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, okay. Uh, how about olive oil
0: or vegetable oil when you're cooking your latkes? I would have to say that vegetable oil would be more kosher okay right actually olive oil is i don't get it well because
1: that's where this whole thing originated from because yeah hanukkah's about the olive oil man
0: oh my bad
1: but you know if you want to keep low calorie down you'd be using the veggie knock you know to keep the calories down knock 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 who's there olive olive who olive juice (laughs) oh no that was yeah okay bobby that was like you know Okay, wait, I had another one. I had another one. Okay, low-fat sour cream for your latkes.
0: Super not-so-kosher. Isn't it? I think that's just a lame excuse not to put on some, like, winter pounds.
1: I could totally see, like, Jewish people doing that. Okay, honey, I've got the low. Like, they're going to take the latke that's super fattening, and then they're going to put the super, like, some low-calorie shit on it. It's filled with like chemicals. Crap. Yeah, it, does, it and does. You want to absolutely. know something?
0: From what I've learned with all my things lately, that the real stuff is better for you than the fake stuff. That's true. So it there is. you go.
1: It has actually. Okay, um, I don't know if you had any, but I do have one more. Sure. Okay. Um, so when when you go on the plane and they offer you snacks. Do you take extra snacks so that you can fill your bag up? So in case the plane crashes, you would have the snacks is kind of how I go for it. But do you, do you think that's kosher or not so kosher? I think it's very kosher. Isn't it, right? it's super My bag is filled with so many treats. And then I bring treats to my flight attendants. I bring little bags of candy and chocolates and stuff for them.
0: And then they, like, douse me with extra treats. My family looks at their little watch and they go, three, two, one, subway time. And they, subway they time. They take their subways out of their carriage. <laughs> 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 it's like the whole plan's going that's pretty that's brilliant, funny that's right?
1: funny i love that um okay so do you have any do you have any for me if you don't it's okay do you have any i just want to give you one last chance it's because sure. there anything with, you want to throw in there yes okay
0: disney because you're so good character yarmulkes wow kosher or not so kosher. i think it's
1: kosher tell us why. we need to talk about that mm. oh Oh, I thought I said it fast enough. Sorry, I didn't. Survey says.
0: <laughs> I think, well, it could go either way.
1: It could. For but sure. have you seen that before? I have.
0: I know people who are all about wow. Disney, Yiddish, Judaica. That's crazy. Yes.
1: That's crazy. All right, so we just have a few more things I want to talk about. Cool. We need a little juicy news. Unless you, you know, unless you had things that you wanted to, you know, throw in there. Oh, my gosh. We have Twin Cities' largest Hanukkah party. Family celebration, St. Paul JCC, this Saturday, December 12th from 6 to 8. After that, it gets a little crazy. (laughs) Sorry. uh, stpauljc org. Check it out. Um, we have The Last Fives Years. I don't know if that was done wrong or whatever, but it's a musical. And it is at Save Us JCC. Check that out. It's on December 11, 12, 13th, 7 p.m. And due to some language, you need to make sure that you're at least 13 if you show up there. So we want to really thank everybody for being here tonight in our little universe. And make sure you check us out at notsokosher.net. Uh, make sure you tweet us at Not so kosher. Give us a little Instagram, everything. I mean, do you got anything you want to Great show. One more there?
0: shout out to Peter Hilleman. Good to be here. Happy Hanukkah, everybody. You guys, we're going to just play you out with Peter's 11th confession. Thank you.
2: Yes, I did.